Welcome to Growth, the podcast dedicated to growth and empowerment. I am Aylin, your host, advocating for entrepreneurship, leadership, and professional development. We invite you to listen and take part in conversations that empower and experiences of success that inspire. Our lived experiences, thoughts, and emotions, what each of us go through in our lives and how unique we are it's just it's to me that fascinates me in every community there is work to be done in every nation there are wounds to heal in every heart there is the power to do it this is a quote i recently came across by marianne williamson in the ability to provide and care for your community in a meaningful way Today, I chat with Daniela Lizarraga, who has served and empowered communities for over 13 years, communities that have endured the most difficult challenges, including mental illness, domestic abuse, homicide victims, immigrant families, and others. Daniela grew up in El Paso, Texas, which is also my hometown. She is fascinated by everybody's journey on this planet and how that comes to contribute to our human experience. She was taught the value of giving from a young age. Daniela's career in human services, such as social work, includes working as a navigator supervisor for Centro de la Raza, the Center for People of All Races, an organization grounded in the Latino community of Washington State. Daniela's here today to talk about her experiences leading for social impact, as well as to give wonderful resources and a call to action to all creatives out there. To hear from Daniela herself, who speaks with an open heart and gives her best to every individual and community she helps and empowers. Welcome to Girl Danny. How are you doing today? I'm excellent. Thank you, Maylin. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. I am thrilled to have you here today to talk more about today's topic, which is leadership for social impact. So, um, yeah, so let's get started. Based on your experience, so would you like to share what inspired you to pursue a career in sociology? So I took my first sociology 101 course in college, the University of Texas at El Paso, um, and I was hooked after that. I was fascinated with expanding my worldview, learning human social behavior, social interaction, Um, gender, race, culture, all the intersectionalities, uh, how we're influenced by various institutions and systems. And throughout the years, I was able to have experience uh, working with different communities and needs Mm -hmm. uh, at various nonprofits, um, community-based organizations. And my niche soon became uh, empowering immigrant families. So sociology, I did my undergrad in, and then I um, went to pursue my master's in sociology. And funny enough, I did change my major about four times um, in the first couple of years. So that sociology 101 course, from there, I just, I stuck with it, and I loved it. 
Um, yeah, so going back a little bit to what you said. Um, so now that you said you mentioned that your focus is immigrant families. Do you think, and of course, <laughs> I think I know the, the answer already, that this was influenced by the location where you grew up? Absolutely. Yeah, so growing up in El Paso, Texas, as you know, um, we are, are about, um, I would say, 80 to 90% uh, Latinx or um, Hispanic, whatever term you would like to identify as. <laughs> And I, my dad crossed um, the border you know, illegally, and I was able to also learn from him firsthand the struggles, um, the necessity of being in a country with um, more opportunities, with um, a lot of benefits, and I soon began working in not-profits, uh, not-for-profits, mm-hmm. and seeing the struggles, and oh my goodness, when it rains, it pours, Right, every every little struggle that um, immigrant families go through, so yes. that that quickly became my my focus in my career. Yeah, I love it. That's so meaningful, and we all need we all need people like yourself in this world to help out with whatever needs. And yeah, it's really hard to be in a different country to be an immigrant. I mean, I experienced that myself. For the Absolutely. past five years, so I was able to see what people, uh, I was able to relate to other people who migrated to the United States for a better life. I was able to see that in myself, coming to Germany and, and experiencing everything from zero and like, yeah, being, uh, being an expat or an immigrant, like we would call it. Um, It's like a yeah. rebirth. It's like a rebirth. You have to learn all the, the, the culture, of course, the language you know, um, yep. the transportation, as you know, best, but it's definitely not easy. Yes. You start from zero, like all over again. <laughs> yeah. So now going back a little bit into your career, right? Like we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about your focus in a moment, but going back to like, um, your, your beginnings and your professional career, Uh, can you think of someone who has an influence, who has who had had an influence on you as a leader, perhaps someone who has been a mentor to you? Absolutely. I was talking uh, about mentorship the other day mm-hmm. with a friend, and I couldn't think of just one person. I've had all female supervisors mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. my line of work and social work, Um So it has really, each, each supervisor I've had, I've taken away qualities from them. Um, they've shown me strength and courage and more than anything is compassion for, for the community. So I really, I really take um, just qualities from each supervisor I've had as well as Honestly, friendships, families, um, I just, I'm inspired by, by a lot of people who are able to follow through with their passion and make it a reality, just like yourself, Maylin, with uh, all you. the projects <laughs> you've done and this podcast. I love when 
people do. When you do something, you take that action and that boldness and courage, that's my inspiration. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, because also like to meet people, I mean, you always meet different people and they all have their own story, their own struggles, their own inspiration. And I think it's good when we take, I don't know, I see it like that as well. No, Like, for example, when I meet someone and I really like some knowledge that they have I'm like I'm really taking this like an inspiration for me from my own things so it's it's always good to surround yourself with those people who inspire you as well absolutely and I think it's also important to delve into various um, I guess aspects in your life for that growth so for me I'm really into volunteering so I I am Mm -hmm. involved with non-for-profits but I'm also um, a creative person. Um, I like my crafts. I like um, to to go on nature walks, to learn about uh, science. So I think um, delving into various aspects, you meet different people from walks of life, different interests, and those people are very influential as well. Yes, Even if they're yes, not in definitely. my direct career path. Oh, yes. You can learn so much from people who are outside your career and they bring even like a different perspective to what you might thought it was. No. So maybe you it's like feeding your knowledge into what other possibilities could be. Right. Absolutely. So uh, now some questions regarding like you becoming a leader. Um, So what are some of the skills and experiences you gain early in your career that have been valuable to you as a leader? Absolutely. So currently I do supervise a team of navigators. So we're like social workers in the greater Seattle, Washington Mm -hmm. uh, area. So that is my current role as a leader. Um, But throughout my career in human services, I have dealt with some pretty uh, heavy issues. Um, People Mm -hmm. who have experienced or are dealing with Um, various traumas, I quickly learned that it becomes physical and emotional distress. It really affects your body and it has long-term impacts. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the severity or when I heard the words secondhand trauma or burnout Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning of my career, I definitely understand that now. And as a leader, knowing those detrimental effects, I'm able to identify those characteristics um, at the onset and be able to pass that down to um, current social workers who are you know, beginning their career or who are working in this field so they don't experience that burnout or they know how to deal with secondhand trauma. So I'm able to train my team and inform them of the realities of our work, as well as encourage them that this might not be the forever career. um, And it definitely shouldn't be um, for someone who's already experiencing those, um, those emotions, that distress. 
So I do encourage them to also um, develop other aspects of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, gain other skills. So when they're able to and wanting to move on, um, I want to help them prepare for that. Yeah, that's so impactful and meaningful. And yeah, I guess you start seeing the patterns and you're able to help people with your own experience or with people with the experience that you have seen and uh yeah i think your career path is such a such a beautiful path that it's not easy it's not for everyone uh, i remember i actually when i took a class it was just beautiful but i didn't know if i could handle that or if i was strong enough to deal with that so i admire your will your power and your constant inspiration in this um, field and giving back to our to our community thank you thank you so um, much <laughs> So as a leader, so how do you foster your continuous growth and development? Absolutely. Um, so I'm sure like many of us, um, we listen to podcasts, we read up upon um, leadership styles, different articles, advice from experts. However, I do find it difficult to relate at times because each organization Uh, Each team, each leader is completely unique, has different needs, systems are different, we're going through our different struggles. Um, So I feel like in my role, I'm constantly making new connections and partnering up with various organizations in my community. So I find that those resources um, are valuable to our community and I share those uh, connections to the rest of my team um, and also the organization partner organization so really networking um, Mm -hmm. is is one of the most important aspects I'm able to know what's going on with the immigrants coming through um We're getting a lot of immigrants coming through El Paso and uh, San Ysidro, you know, the um, Californian Texas border mm-hmm. and their complete path um, up to um, Seattle where we're, mm-hmm. um, oh, wow. where they're mm-hmm. arriving. So for me to connect with all the different organizations um, along that route, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's very important. Um, But for me, the most important is to support and empower my direct team. Mm-hmm. Um, so to give them all the knowledge I'm able to, I don't want to be a gatekeeper of knowledge. I want to just share that for them to have all the resources and at the same time to share that with the community, for the community to have all the resources. I want the community that we work with, which are immigrant families, to have all of the knowledge that we have, to have all of the the skill set to show them the resources to access it on their own. So they do find their voice, they feel empowered, and they Mm -hmm. feel needed and supported in the community that they live in. I love it. Thank you. Yes, definitely. Um, so now with your current role as a navigator supervisor for El Centro de la Raza in Seattle, 
how do you identify opportunities for Latinx communities? And and in general, like, how do you see the, the opportunities for this community in the United States? And do you think the gender, ethnicity play a role? Absolutely. So that's a great question. Um, I'm actually the first contact for any Spanish speakers who are new to mm -hmm. the greater Seattle area. Um, so you can imagine it's a large number of families and individuals that we work with and from all over, from all over the world. Um, I do like to explain to the community that I work with, uh, is, it's mainly Latinx immigrant families. Mm -hmm. So I like to let them know Um, like I explained, where the funding comes from for all these various assistance that we're able to provide, um, which in the U.S., oh my goodness, there's so many resources to provide, um, rental assistance, small business loans, first-time first homebuyer loans. We just have such um, a large amount of grants and funding to provide specifically to immigrant families, specifically to undocumented individuals. Um, so it is, I'm really seeing for the first time uh, since I moved to Seattle, the opportunities that there are, at least for those resources, um, to have resources in your own language in your own indigenous language, to have uh, interpreters um, at almost every uh, state, local, county, government, you know, office that you contact. Mm -hmm. So I do believe uh, with knowledge comes power. I like Definitely. to provide um, the tools to the community I work with um, so that they're able to Res um, find the resources on their own. I, I do think ethnicity um, plays a role in these opportunities. We are seeing, uh, like I mentioned, just a lot more funding for um, BIPOC and immigrant communities. So that has been my experience, at least working in the state of Washington. Um, is to see those opportunities, those not-for-profits specifically for uh, new immigrant families, uh, individuals. We help find um, employment. We help build their skill set, learn technology, um, English classes. We provide them um, with information on you know, housing, how it works. So um, an array of services that, as we know, when you're new to a country, um, you just need that, that guidance. And yeah, I do definitely. definitely see that there is a lot of uh, guidance, a lot of organizations there to serve uh, the immigrant community. So you mentioned your initiative to reach out to immigrants in El Paso, Texas. So who are temporarily based there while their um, social status is determined. How can we ensure that immigrant families have access to resources and information about the legal rights and protections? Absolutely. So the El Paso, Texas border is actually one of the busiest border crossings in the United States. 
we have seen a large number of immigrants arrive to El Paso, and they could range from all throughout South, South America, Central America, um, Mexico, and this would be their introduction to the U.S. and the American way of life uh, would be in El Paso, Texas. So throughout my years working in El Paso with our immigrant families, uh, as well as with my own family, I have seen the lack of knowledge of various systems that govern our daily life. So when we had an influx of immigrants who were arriving to the border to El Paso, and it was a large amount, they were on the streets, they were just um, so many people just overflowing out of um, shelters and all the different organizations that were there to provide them shelter and housing, um, I began to develop a presentation uh, to introduce systems such as um, health care or there's free medical services, uh, transportation, how that looks like in this country, education, um, how to open up a bank account, uh, legal guidance, uh, municipal court, um, criminal court, um, all the resources that libraries provide. So I began to create outlines um, in, mm -hmm. in Spanish about all these various systems that they can utilize and that they might come in contact with. Mm -hmm. So we could go ahead and give them that knowledge, that empowerment so that they're able to live that successful life. Um, and the challenges is reaching, um, in reaching this community is a lot of the times they leave to other parts of the country um, to join their friends or their family if they do have a connection in the U.S. Uh, or they're detained by immigration in a specific area where we can't access, as well as for the most part that they do lack that trust and and rightfully so. They're, they don't know who to trust. They don't know who is uh, a part of, you know, law enforcement or if we're providing them, you know, that accurate information. So that just is uh, something that we have but I have encountered is that lack of trust. Um, mm -hmm. When I did work in the court system, uh, I would assist uh, victims of crime. We would have um, kind of like a business-sized card with their legal mm -hmm. rights, uh, and it would come in Spanish. So it informed them, you know, that they have the right to remain silent. You don't have to talk to law enforcement. You don't have to open the door without a warrant. So we just kind of gave them um, some information. And even if they didn't feel comfortable voicing all of that to whether it be law enforcement um, or a different type of agency, they could just provide the card. And it was in English and Spanish. So there was also um, all throughout the U.S. there's free legal guidance um, specifically for immigrant communities so that they could know what their next step is uh, in the country um, just to provide that that guidance. Um, so we, we would equip them with that information, their rights and protections. 
we do need this information. We need to spread this information. And I just hope, um, yeah, we can we can start having like this action step into helping out. And yeah, like you said, knowledge is power. So everybody could know what their, um, their rights are, where they can do and not do. So yeah, this is, yeah, this information is very, very valuable. Um, so to finalize this topic, um, if I, if I can provide a bit of hope and guidance for families, how can we collaborate with, I know you mentioned this with organizations and community leaders, but this could be a little bit more as an individual perspective. You know? How can we collaborate with other organizations and community leaders to form coalitions and in a way, if possible, form partnerships in order to support these immigrant families and promote social justice? Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That's something that I seek to know the answer mm -hmm. um, and that I'm still working on. Yeah. But in my current role and throughout my career, I collaborate with various community-based organizations, hospitals, churches, um, schools, other institutions who are serving our immigrant community. I, I speak to them on a daily basis. I do feel that there is a lack of clarity as to what everyone in the community does. And I would, I would love to see a platform that's accessible on a mobile phone that uh, can be translated in various languages so that everyone can easily access resources and contacts throughout the community. Um, like I've mentioned before, I don't, we don't want to have gatekeep all the information. We don't want to have all this information. I want it to be uh, as equally accessible to the community um, who needs it. Um, so I have been assisting with a pilot platform for mm -hmm. Seattle families to gain access to resources and apply for assistance, such as childcare or food access or low-income housing. Um, it's extremely low barrier. It's a simple platform to use. It can be translated in various languages. Um, you don't need that social security number. Uh, the only downside is it is only a web-based platform for now. Um, and Seattle has a very large population of immigrants from all around the world. Um, so this platform is really important and um, highly utilized. It will also provide a little background um, for the families. So they have the opportunity to gain knowledge on resources that they're applying for. You know, if it comes from um, the city, the state, the county, or if it's federal funds. So I was very, um, very involved in this initiative. I found I was honored to have been selected um, as a community-based organization leader to be involved in this uh, platform. Um, so it's a, the first of its kind, and I provided a lot of feedback as to, you know, oh, some of our community members, you know, they don't know how to read or write, or even in their own language, or, you know, um, they don't have a social, they possibly don't have an address if they're homeless. So just developing this was very important. 
but I think we need more of our creative workers to help to partner with nonprofits and community-based organizations um, that are working to um, fight some of these issues and promote social justice. I feel like we need that assistance from our uh, creative leaders, um, such as yourself, Maitlin, <laughs> to, <laughs> to create yeah, to create these platforms to have more ideas of how to involve everybody, the community and the leaders, so we could be at the same level and have the same resource access. So we aren't denying or slowing down the process or always having a middle person. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I see. Um, people who help out with the execution of these platforms, no? Like you have all the resources, all the information. Mm -hmm. So you just need, like you said, collaboration with other people who can make you execute this platform, make you execute this idea of how it will look to the user, how it'll be accessible to them, how to, it'll be easy for them to, to locate and to find as well. So thank you for Absolutely. everything you do. And you know, I'm definitely in to help out in any collaboration and anything that will um, help out our community. Um, so to Thank conclude, <laughs> if, um, to conclude, if you were to write a book, what would it be about and in which chapter will you be currently in? Oh my goodness, that's a really interesting question. I would write a book about the human experience in general that's that's what fascinates me is yeah everybody's journey and um rituals and of course as a sociologist it comes to no surprise I'm fascinated about the journey we have on this planet and how that comes to be so the various factors surrounding our lived experiences thoughts and emotions what each of us go through in our lives and how unique we are it's yeah. just it's yeah. to me that fascinates me so I would probably be at the chapter of goodness I would <laughs> probably say exploring all the different the various facets of my personality and probably delving into my childhood, my ancestry, how my parents grew up, just kind of learning a little bit more about that so I'm able mm -hmm. to understand why I am the way I am. Not really understand, but just more curious. Lovely. So, yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> so what are some of the goals, aspirations, projects we can expect from Daniela in the near future? Oh, goodness. My goal currently is to slow down a little bit in life. Um, I am a person who constantly, like you, Maylin, has, and I'm sure like the listeners, various, um, has projects going on. Um, I love to volunteer. I love to um, grow in my career and um, also my creative projects. Um, so various growth opportunities. And while, yes, it can be fulfilling, 
uh, as I do have that thirst for knowledge and growth, um, my mind, body, and soul sometimes need that rest and calmness to refocus, uh, gain perspective, and have that inspiration. Um, but I do have uh, an inspiration and an aspiration to honor and record um, some of the experiences of immigrants um, and currently, you know, in Seattle, but I'm definitely open to widening my, um, my perspective. Um, I'm still not sure what that looks like. I'm definitely open to some creative ideas. Um, one really interesting um, fact was I work with a lot of Syrian refugees as well. And in Seattle, a, a partner a nonprofit that I work closely with, they created a little booklet of some of their lived experiences coming to Seattle. And that was the first recorded, and in their own language as well, that was the first recording um, of that um, transition or of that um, journey wow. from the Syrian yeah. refugees in in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So that that book actually got recognition from a partner organization I work with in Seattle, and they're starting to have those in libraries. They're starting to have them, I believe it was like down south, um, south in, in the U.S., that they are starting to implement it into their education system. So I thought that was absolutely inspiring. Um, so something possibly along those lines, uh, definitely going to look into some creative ideas or would love to collaborate um, about those different possibilities and what that looks like. Yeah, yeah. I love all of your ideas and yeah, I see the high potential for them. And I mean, besides being creative ideas, it definitely will have a, a huge impact in the communities. Thank you very much, Daniela. I just wish you all the best in everything you do. And thank you for being here today. Thank you so much, Maitland, thank for you. having me. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.